Do you fear the zombie uprising? Are you prepared to survive what's coming? If you listen very carefully, you might just make it out alive. This is Zompocalypse Now. On the next Zompocalypse Now, the guys build a blanket fort. <laughs> Hello, folks. Welcome to Zompocalypse Now, our little podcast here where we talk about things, Walking Deadish, and other horror type things. I am Timothy Harvey. And I'm Dustin. And I'm Curtis. And we have just watched two of. The most recent, well, the two most recent episodes of The Walking Dead in this extended season. Are we, are, was this four and five or was this five and six? I've lost track. I well, think it was it's episode, four and five. It was episode 20 and 21. So, You're getting a two four and folks. five. Four and five? Yeah. Who doesn't, who doesn't like a twofer? I'm not a professional prognosticator. Um, but I would pronounce that we'll probably spend more time on first episode than the second, unless our complaints are just piling up like crazy. I don't know. I don't know. I have feelings about them. I am not a good guesser. <laughs> well, clearly Curtis has feelings of some kind. So we should probably address Curtis's feelings. Curtis. Who in the, okay. okay. Tell me how you Everybody- feel. Everybody knows, if you've been listening and you haven't, that I have uh, no idea what's going on unless it's put in a pretty clear context or I get context from the last time on Zombolism show. (laughs) And and so I don't know who Princess is. Okay, so, all right. (laughs) So, Eugene... Fixed this long, long-range radio, and started trying to get in contact with people, other communities. And of he, course, he did. By the he, way, yes. Well, I mean, over the course, he he has also done a really, really good character. What you call it, where you don't hate them anymore. Redemption. Uh, rehabilitation. He did a good character rehabilitation. Uh, where you don't hate Eugene. I still hate the way that he talks a lot of the time because mm. no human being talks that way. Uh, he is very writerly written, but so is Ezekiel. And so I, I we're okay with the fact that he, he, in fact, everybody was super excited when he was like, I got the radio fixed. And then I said a bunch of words that were unnecessary to describe the feeling of getting the radio fixed. And now I'm going to try and find in my, some in, people. In my incredibly manufactured southern accent that was made in a third world country by a 12-year-old, shipped to the United States on a ship that got stuck in the Suez Canal and is now moldering in his throat because that is the most bullshit accent. I love this actor, by the way. And so I don't say this to hurt his feelings because he's not listening. But um, if he did, and he should be on this show, he would owe me an explanation as to where in the hell that accent is supposed to be from. I'm just happy that we have now joined with every single other human being on the planet and made a Suez Canal joke. 
<laughs> I, I feel first. like we now belong. And, I, you know, I, 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 we're part of the larger community now. And I think... So uh, we got, I think, two really interesting different takes on the idea of sh- showing us what's going on inside of the character's mind on these two episodes. Because I feel like that's what what was happening in both the Princess episode and in the Daryl Carroll episode. Because we were we were getting a view inside of their brains. That's well, that's true. And I have to say that Princess has a wonderful brain. Yes. And, Princess's uh, brain is delightful. So oh let me go God. back. Let me go back and continue to display display what's happening. So uh, Eugene made contact with this woman. And so he spends like weeks flirting, like getting his flirt on with some random lady. And so finally she's like, come, I want to meet you, come to this specific spot, right? And so because Eugene can't keep his mouth shut, he tells everybody, everybody in, in Alexandria knew uh, that he was talking to this lady. And so uh, Ezekiel and Kumiko decided to go with him to uh, meet up with this lady because it wasn't safe for him to go alone. And they did this right before the big whisper of war. And the idea was maybe if we go and we meet this woman's community, they can help us with the whisperers. So they missed all the whisperer stuff. Meanwhile, so they walk and walk and they get to this town where it's crazy pants. Like someone has taken walkers and not killed them, but dressed them up in fanciful outfits and put them in different places. There are walker children in the ice cream parlor with a walker in a like ice cream man garb behind the counter with a scoop stapled into his hand. And they're all like he's like he's giving them ice cream. There's Walker lovers eating eating brunch outside of a Walker restaurant with a Walker waiter standing there with a Walker tray. And so they're like, oh, something really super weird has happened in this town. And it turns <laughs> out that the really super weird thing that happened in this town was Princess. Princess has been wandering around uh uh, the post-apocalyptic America and instead of killing walkers she's been putting them in fanciful outfits and leaving them in places <laughs> and so that's a lot of work a lot yes. of work and so also when she first sees the people like our guys she's like hi are you real or are you just like super vivid fantasies that I sometimes have that will come important later but they convince her that she is not seeing them as crazy. And she decides she's going to go with them, much to the chagrin of pretty much everybody. Uh, so that is kind of, you know, she... Let me she, guess. Eugene talks them into it. Um, I think that it's more of a, like, they're like, you can't come with us. And she's like, okay, well, obviously I'm going insane. So, you know, I wish you would let me come with you because if I don't have people around, I am going to keep, I, this is this is just like, I am just barely at the point where I recognize that this is all crazy. And, uh, <laughs> and so if you leave me, I don't know what's going to happen next. 
And so they were kind of like, oh, fine, so you can come. And so <laughs> then they were caught by the people in the, in the white uniforms. Oh, the white uniforms. They were stormtroopers from Star Wars. So we start this episode with poor old Princess, and she's in a boxcar. And as, as many people will know who have watched The Walking Dead, we don't like them when they go in boxcars. Uh, and so she, like, she tried to fight off the uh, the people, and uh, and that ended up getting Yumiko hit with a baton. And so Princess is really worried about what happened to her, uh, and she hears her in the next box car sounding all kinds of like messed up, like she's hurt. And so then Princess is called in to talk to a general, but she can't focus enough on anything else except for, you know, where are my friends? How are things, you know, why can't I see them to even hear the questions he's asking, let alone answer them. And oh, by the way, she's crazy. So some of her answers are like, I don't know how old I am. It's the apocalypse and I'm crazy. And then we continue on having adventures with with Princess for the rest of the episode as things happen. Uh, she tries, she discovers a broken panel in her boxcar and tries to escape, but Eugene basically talks her out of it saying, we don't know what these people want. And if we go tracing around, uh, then we could ruin our relationship with them before it even starts. Only uh, in a lot, with a lot more alliteration. Yes. He's just showing off at this point. Right. But here, okay, here is where I first started to wonder what was going on with this episode. Because even for Eugene, he was saying a lot of extra words. Yeah. Okay. The way okay. that he was talking. Hindsight being twenty twenty, I no longer have an issue with his dialogue this episode. Because I was like... After the reveal happens, and we'll get to the reveal in a second, I thought that the very first thing I thought of was like, that's why Eugene was talking so crazy. So the next thing that happens is that Ezekiel, well, first Eugene gets taken away. First Yumiko got taken away, and and then Ezekiel gets taken away, but uh, or no, excuse me. Uh, then Eugene gets taken away, but Ezekiel comes in through a skylight in her car and jumps in. He's like, we're going to escape, and it's going to be great. And uh, Princess is like, but I just talked to Eugene, and he said we're not going to escape because that won't be great. And Ezekiel's like, ah, I'll do what I want. That's the, like another part where I was like, this is not this doesn't remind, you know, I, the writing is off. Like, I, if if they hadn't had the reveal happen, we would definitely be talking about how the character writing was inconsistent. Yes, and and then what happens is a stormtrooper comes in to give, uh, give her food. Ezekiel uh, jumps him from, I don't know where he was hiding in the boxcar. And then... Uh, um, I guess he'd scuttled out through the top, went around the outside, and then popped him in the face, knocked him over, and they got control of that situation, interrogated him, and uh, eventually Ezekiel loses it and just starts beating the holy hell out of the guy. 
and then the realization occurs that Ezekiel is not there. Princess is beating the crap out of this guy. She has had a disassociative episode. And she's imagined everything that we have just seen. We don't know what is real anymore and what is fake. We and in that moment, she's really she realizes what's going on. She even thinks back to being captured by these guys and is like, was I the only one fighting back? Like, did Yumiko really get hurt? Like, what what really happened? And that's what has been really happening this whole time. And the guy even kind of says, like, you're the one, like, all of your friends have been through processing, but you. Like, you're the, once she realizes it starts beating on, beating on the stormtrooper and, like, starts talking to him, that's when he's like, you're the only one who's not cooperating with us. Like, you're, you're the crazy one. Obviously. Princess. So she takes, she takes that moment to escape and she takes his gun and she leaves the boxcar and she goes running out towards the fence where she finds Ezekiel hanging out with two very dapperly dressed walkers, if I don't say so myself. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. And, and she's like, I can't be crazy. And Ezekiel's like, why not? You were good at it. You were really good at it. And she's like, but I don't want to be crazy anymore. I want to help my friends. And he's like, you've known these people a week. You don't know. They're not your friends. And she's like, yes, they are. And so uh, that's when she decides to uh, go back and, like, try and talk to the stormtrooper. And he, you know, is able to get her to answer the questions uh, that she was unable to answer in the first interview. And then she's like, okay, when can I see my friends? And he's like, right now. And he opens up the door, and all the others are standing outside with ba- baggies on their head. And she gets bagged, and that's the end. Cliffhangers. We don't know. What's, we still don't know if the group that they found are good or bad. Still don't know. Spoiler alert: they're bad. Because they're always bad. Because the show, the show hates fun and is and is bad at it. And that's what's going to come up later. But for this episode. I would like to say that I think this was a very effective let's get into a character's mind and learn about how this character's thought process works without having to be told this is how Princess's thought process works. Note she crazy. We got to realize she was having a disassociative episode at the same time she realized it. And that is some, like, fight club-level shit right there, you guys. Yeah. I don't mean to toot my own horn or anything, but I wrote a play that basically had this very same structure, and it was very successful for me. So I was very happy about that. And I did that five years ago. So, you know, way <laughs> to go, Walking Dead. Good congratulations on that idea that I had before you. <laughs> I mean, this is not a new concept. The idea of a character having conversations with themselves over the course of a piece of whatever is not new. Whoopi Goldberg made a movie called Telephone in the 80s, which is legitimately this. Her in a room 
making phone calls. And at the end of the episode, the phone, a guy from the phone company shows up and is like, yeah, your phone's been off for a week, lady. The call is coming from inside the house. The call is coming from inside your head. Yeah. Right. So I, I enjoyed this, but it didn't move any story arc forward at all. Well, no, it didn't. And before we started recording, I said this was very much a filler episode. But it's also an important filler episode. And which is, I know that's a contradictory kind of thing, but Dustin pointed out that everything we've been getting from this extended season is essentially filler episodes. None of this stuff is important. And yet it's all character development. It's like they sat there and decided that we're going to, we got these extra six episodes. We're not, this is, this is not about advancing the plot. This is about slowing down and getting inside the heads of our characters. And this is something that the walking dead has a real mixed track record on. And this episode for me felt very reminiscent of like season five or, or six when they started to do some really kind of experimental thing, this very much reminded me of the episode where Tyrese died because he has a lot of illusionary thinking. Like he, he, he hallucinates and he sees things that weren't there. Uh, it wasn't established as a part of his character before that, which made that episode irritating but this worked, I think, really well because it, we're, in, we're being informed of Princess through what her own eyes. Yeah, and, you know, what I said about Eugene earlier is as I think about what, this, what the character in this episode was and his performance was a reflection of her perception and I kind of get how amazingly brilliant it was now. I uh, kind of dug it a lot. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And it's very interesting because if you think about the, the way that the characters had interacted with Princess before, Yumiko was very standoffish and did not want her around. Did not want her. She was the one that was like, she is not coming with us. And so the fact that she was the one that was injured, quote unquote, and that that princess was trying to get through to hell shows that she really wants to connect with her and eugene was this very cautious you know gobbledygook speaking guy who was like no 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 let's think about this tells us what you know she sees in eugene and that ezekiel is like this man of action jumping into a you know a skylight that didn't exist five minutes before and Jumping into action, no matter what the consequences be damned. That's a, I thought it was a really interesting way for her to, to show us what she thinks of these people. Well, and not only that, but because we have these episodes that are, you know, kind of focusing on individuals or one or two people at a time, we get to spend time with her that in another episode, when they are trying to drive the plot forward, would slow the episode down immensely. We've gotten this glimpse into her. We've gotten this, you know, we can see the way her mind works. We see the, the, what she's struggling with and how it's affecting her perception of the world around her. But we don't have to have that later. 
this is here. It's in this bottle episode where we can have this, you know, we can, we can take the time, we can focus on her and her alone so that when we come back to, you know, the larger storyline of them being in the captivity here with the Commonwealth, then, you know, we already have that backstory. When the story resumes, you know, these are, while I don't think it all, it's so far what we've seen so far hasn't always worked particularly well, but taking the time to have this little series of episodes that kind of dive into relationships and, and the mental state of, you know, the people that are part of the larger story is actually a pretty clever way to give us a lot of information without interrupting the main storyline. Did you hear that there's going to be another web series? About the submarine? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Zombies and submarines, folks. It's not going to end well for the submarine crew. <laughs> I it never that. does. And then, of course, it had to say, they had to put in there, it's going to connect. This is going to connect to Fear the Walking Dead next season. And it's like, no, it's not. It already has, though. We've seen the submarine. This is a flashback to the submarine that we've seen that's already beached. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, so well, then we know. We know what happened to the submarine. Yeah, but there's also the keys that we think those are the nuclear launch keys for the submarine. Oh, we do? Is that what we think? That's what we're thinking, yes. At least that's what I'm thinking. And I'm telling you, and now you think it too. You think it too, Dustin. I want to think that, Tim. I want there to, to, to be the keys to the ice cream shop. <laughs> well, I have some set, but we've already discussed the ice cream shop, Dustin, and all, there's just walkers in there. Moving on. There's okay. no ice cream in that shop. <laughs> the ice cream shop is a lie. So, <laughs> moving on, I feel like we got a slightly worse version of what's going on inside these characters' heads from tonight's episode. So, tonight's episode is interesting because the more I watched it, the more I thought this episode would play out really well as a comic book. And I could see picking up an issue of The Walking Dead and having read earlier in the series how Carol and Daryl had a fight. And this episode, one page is Carol and one page is Daryl and one page is Carol and one page is Daryl. And we watch them go through all these things. And as I'm watching the scenes, and it's really started to sink in during the conversation about soup, where you could just see these like, panels of people's expressions Mm. and it's because it's a very still episode the camera doesn't move a lot and it's 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 about where people are in the frame and i kept it it started to feel like comic book panels and i think it's an episode that actually on the page i would have finished reading it and going that was a pretty cool episode you know, that's a pretty, pretty cool issue. I just don't think it necessarily translates all that well. Well, let me do my let me do my recap. Carol makes soup, and Daryl has motorcycle trouble. That's uh, I'd say that's pretty accurate. Carol has a lot of trouble making the soup, and Daryl's just his motorcycle motorcycle problems are just. Just hilarious. 
Yeah, he has a broken fuel line, so he goes to get uh, he goes to get one off of a car, and it's, the fuel line is only god eight or ten inches long he can't and he goes looks at three cars until he finds one that's the perfect car but it's teetering on the edge of something and uh so he got to get underneath it and there's a zombie inside that keeps moving around and then the car move yeah yeah and then daryl has to hilariously uh get the zombie to move over and i yawned and then that scene was over and he got the thing and he went back and fixed his bike and then he killed some military zombies and got some food rations and some tools that he so he could fix his bike and then he rode off and uh while he was doing that carol had to carol was chasing a rat and she and the dog spilled her pot of soup that she was making which looked pretty good i wouldn't have said anything i'd have just scooped that shit back in the in the deal i believe that's what she did this is a very julia child like ain't nobody in the kitchen but you yeah and so then she goes out and she gets some uh nettles and dandelion stuff kills some zombies and has a good time doing it and comes back and she's like everything's fine jerry is like like watching her this whole episode like hey carol how's it going and she's like through gritted teeth like i'm fine everything's fine why do you think there's something wrong and he's like i don't know carol you look like you've lost it a little because she's like you know covered in goop and (laughs) carrying around children's sandcastle buckets full of thorny nettles Yep, and so she goes back, starts making the soup some more, fixes the solar panel. The whisperers messed it up, whatever. Um, and uh, then she gets some electricity, and then I guess the sun goes down because the electricity goes out. She loses her fucking mind trying to chase a rat around, and then she finishes the soup. And all this we forget, Daryl, at the very, very beginning of the episode, Carol is trying to open up her water bottle her canteen and she can't do it so daryl hands her his pocket knife why carol doesn't have a pocket knife this many years into the zombie apocalypse i will i will not begin to question the the uh, victoria knox swiss army knife is one of the greatest tools invented in the 20th 19th century so she forgets to give it back to him. And so while that ends up making her life really easier, much easier, it makes his life infinitely harder because he can't do all the things he would normally do with his pocket knife because he don't got it. He has to use this big old scary murdering knife. Because somehow at this point in the zombie apocalypse, Daryl only has one. (laughs) <laughs> and so I think that there's there's like a really ham-fisted metaphor in there uh, because her life was made easier by Daryl's presence, but he was able to figure it out and ended up becoming better equipped without Carol than she was with him. Because he finds not only one, but two really nice military-grade multi-tools. They're just Leatherman. They're fine. And so then, uh, so he's got two of those. And at the end of the episode, when, when he shows back up, he's like, she's like, hey, Daryl, here's your pocket knife back. And he's like, 
No, thanks. I don't need it. And so then they continue to be having their argumentatives. They, yeah, they haven't really resolved their issues, but at least they're at they're peaceful with each other. Um, forgiveness is going to take some time because Daryl is, well, Daryl's Daryl and Carol is fine. <laughs> I honestly, I kind of expected her to cut her hair this episode. Yeah. I was, I was, well, I was watching this episode. I was like, I really, she looks lovely with long hair. She's lovely with short hair, but you know, the way she had it quaffed. Yeah. Good. Well, classic Carol. I thought we were going to see a return to the classic Carol style today, but uh, we didn't. Coca Carol classic. <laughs> What happened to all of Daryl's methamphetamines that he got from Jesse? Um, oh, oh, he lost. That, that was gone. You know, I, I think that that was gone in like episode two of season one. He had them and then he didn't have them no more. Mm. That was a fun prop. I I always sometimes, always sometimes kind of sometimes wonder about the the gang got guys who stayed in the old folks home, all the old people, because old people couldn't leave. What happened to all them guys? They all probably died. Yeah, probably. They're probably living with the Star Wars community. No, because that was back in Atlanta. That They were in, like, middle of Atlanta. Yeah. Them dudes. Well, I don't know. These were interesting episodes. I yeah, definitely the one with Princess much stronger, um, and especially considering she's a character we don't know, and so having this sort of glimpse into her mind really was you know interesting. Not only because how they did it, but because it gives it, us a chance to get to know her. We know uh, part the big for me the biggest problem with this the the second episode is that. We know Daryl and Carol are going to be okay. Yeah. There's no tension here. There's no, I mean, if we didn't know there was a spinoff series, maybe we'd feel a bit of tension. I don't know that I would because I look at the two of them and go, is, is this the last episode of the show? No. no? Okay. They're going to be fine. Because it's Daryl and Carol. Right. On a very special Blossom and Daryl Carol. <laughs> There's just no there's no tension for this. It's it's yeah. If this were any like, I don't think I think the 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 possibility of Father Gabriel and Aaron having an irreconcilable falling out after their episode was a stronger possibility than than Daryl and Carol never reconciling ever. Right. It's just Yeah, but they're they're not gonna fall out either because we find out that while he did a shocking thing, it was inadvertently the right thing. We discussed right. that. We discussed yes. that in the earlier episode. But uh, Yes we did. Is that gonna matter to what's his name? No. I don't know. Well, I mean, the, but the, the essentially what we, you know, we've known for, for years and years and years, barring death, the Daryl and Carol friendship is basically like the most, the most 
stable relationship on the entire show. So, like, they might have disagreements, they might fight each other, but they're never going to not love each other, and they're never not going to eventually come back together. And I think that's going to help. I really do feel like uh, when, when uh, what's-her-name, the deaf lady shows back up, that'll help a lot, too. What dead lady? Deaf lady. What's, oh. I can't remember her name right now. We've talked about her a couple of times. Uh, yeah, she she has she and her sister are both deaf, two deaf characters on the show, and that's the character who they quote unquote lost in the Big Walker herd. They all got separated, and and this woman and Daryl had been kind of having a, a weird flirtation, like friendship. That he was learning sign language to speak to her and and stuff like that. And she got separated from the group and they're getting away from the walkers. And they couldn't find her. Uh, well, flash forward to what was supposed to be the season finale. And one of the very last shots we see is this big herd of walkers. And she kind of is in the middle of them. And she's got her eyes closed. I've said this, I feel like I've said this every single episode of these last four. <laughs> <laughs> She's got her eyes closed, but when the camera comes up close to her, she opens her eyes and you realize, oh, she's just using the, you know, she's just camouflaged in with the walker. She's not dead. And we've talked about looking for her, like, low-key Daryl's been looking for her this, these last four or five episodes uh, and specifically spoke about looking for her during the Maggie-centric episode. So I feel like they're going to find her if not next episode, then very early in, in the next season. And that'll go a long way to helping. Because I don't, honestly, like, they would, it would make me just so mad if that scene of her in with those walkers where they show that she is not actually dead didn't have a payoff. And I've even asked you guys a couple of times, like, did I imagine that? And you're like, no, we saw that too. So, so the, the relationship he's developing with Connie felt a lot more natural than this, you know, the relationship that we sort of just had sort of thrust upon us with Leah. I mean, because there was this vulnerability to Connie because of her deafness that seemed to appeal to the vulnerability of the emotional damage that Daryl has. And they seem to play really well off each other. And so it felt, it felt like a natural kind of, at least nothing else, a friendship had developed between the two of them. And they seemed to interact really well. You know, the fact that he was learning sign language and that she just kind of looked at his tough guy facade and kind of went, yeah, whatever. And so it just, they connected really well. There was a, another like, Daryl's hair is a choice moment in this episode when he's like leaning over to like peer under his bike to see what wire has cut and he kind of like leans over and his hair just like artfully falls into his face and it's all sweaty and gross. It's like, no, Daryl, push your hair out of your face. <laughs> no one needs to think you're cool. You're all alone. <laughs> No, I think I think unfortunately, we might have enjoyed 
the second episode more if we had not essentially watched these two episodes almost back to back. Right. Well, I don't see. I don't know because I feel like the things that you know we have we have said as flaws to this episode, especially regarding this like, uh oh, they're super broken up now, you guys, kind of plot that they're having, are still valid criticisms of this episode. I don't disagree. I just think it 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 definitely suffers as well from us watching the previous episode so close to this one. Especially since the previous episode was a cliffhanger episode and it won't be resolved next week either. No, it won't because you know what's next week? The long-awaited Negan. The long-awaited Negan episode where well, he and Carol take a walk. I think that's the premise. <laughs> no. <laughs> Although. Vegan finds the keys to the aspirin shop. Though you, no, I, okay. I, go- I googled it. He and Carol take a walk and uh, to try to minimize the tension. And uh, I guess Negan throughout this episode will uh explain himself and this will be i think this will be a compelling episode i do him and carol him and maggie him and carol interesting okay that's Um, what that's what i read on the internet where everything is right yeah this is true everything on the internet is real Mm -hmm. Uh, so (laughs) i just dumbfounded you (laughs) but see the thing is is that i don't uh, Negan and Carol taking a walk. Sure, there's there's the dynamic between the two of them, especially considering the the levels that they will go to to get what they want done done. I mean, in many ways, they're a little too alike in that regard. Yeah, she do what she has to do. He will make choices as well. <laughs> but now I want this to be the walk between him and Maggie because I just think that I would just be like, "Hi, we've brought the tension." Would you like some? That may be, that's probably the impetus to this because Ma- Maggie's probably going to be the driving force behind this little heart to heart that he and Carol are going to have. Well, I mean, that would make sense. I think that um, it's probably going to be better with Carol in, in the more I think about it because giving Negan's backstory, which I guess the, the, the implication is that's where we're going to get the, you know, how Negan came to be. Um, and because I know they cast his wife. As his wife. Uh, and uh, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. But it would be really, really hard. I just, I don't believe we'd get in a, at the end of the episode. It wouldn't be Maggie going, I understand now everything's okay. Because that's not going to happen. <laughs> and she especially wouldn't be saying, I understand now everything's okay. She'd be saying, you live in Texas. You know better than that. They're they're Georgian. It's a different dialect entirely. It's a different fake Georgian accent, which comes and goes because she's not from Georgia. America, she's Australian. Negan, you're you're giving me the vapors. (laughs) 
So that's going to be actually our flashback episode where we see The Walking Dead as it was in the 1800s, where they're all playing. <laughs> oh, dear, Rick. Look at all these zombified people. Hmm. Be a dollar. Go get me a rag to wipe this gore off my neck. Mm-hmm. That Okay. We need to talk about the fact that Carol did not wash her hands before she made that soup. I know, that bugged me a lot. Nasty. The, and I was unhappy. Yeah. That okay. Was, this mm. is a world where everything stinks, where everyone's breath is foul, where none of them are taking showers on anywhere near a basis that would imply that any of them don't just reek to high heaven. More like than they are ever. Covered in body parts that they have they that that they basically have had walker guts splatter up their nose and get in their ears and down their throat. And Ugh. can I just can we if we're just can I just for a second? I just love Carol's pajamas. Yeah. It's a thermal t-shirt, cargo pants, laced up boots, a bowie knife, and I don't know, some piece of fetish gear, that circle thing. I don't know what that was. <laughs> but it's just like, she walked into that room and she's like, oh, she's going to bed. Oh, she's completely dressed. Go, yeah. the, little com- the little conversation between she and uh, her friend who checks in on her. Jerry. And he, and he tries to throw some platitudes at her that apparently that what's his, the guy. Ezekiel. Ezekiel was really good at, at those. And I don't trust people that know a lot of platitudes. It just means they've read some self-help books and I don't give a shit or read some memes off the internet, but, but I don't know, man. I don't know. But anyway, it's a lovely and sweet little thing where she gets a hug and she asks about, you know, you know, what if I'm broken? Of course you're broken. Everyone is broken. If you're not broken, you're doing it wrong. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. I, I wish that some I actually thought that too while that was happening. It's like, I don't know why why he didn't say that. Like why that wasn't like, where do you think we are? <laughs> where do you think yeah. we are, Carol? Like even before this, everybody was broken. Everybody had their stuff. Well, why is she still asking that question now? This is just, we've talked about this before too. It's like, okay, we've put Carol through the trauma conga line enough times, folks. She shouldn't, these are questions she's asked herself before. These are questions she's found answers to before. It's interesting because she thought she was broken when her husband was beating her right at the very mm-hmm. beginning of the series and from there we've just she tried to fix herself by isolating and that didn't work she's had a really interesting story character arc in that she's not more broken than she is right the spinoff is going to be carol is the stuffy headmistress of an all-girls school and Daryl is the wacky groundskeeper that keeps her on her toes. And, hey, Mrs. Uh, Garrett, Mrs. Yeah. Garrett, there's some there's some zombies in my azaleas. <laughs> oh, we don't want the zombies to come in. 
What are you doing now? What was that? That was not Carol. That was Carol Garrett. <laughs> Folks, I think I think we've reached the end. This is dissolving into very bad, bad impersonations of actors. My impersonations are wonderful. They are a thing unto themselves. And <laughs> I think that's probably the safest way to describe that. That's that's the that's the same as giving us a participation award. <laughs> Well, folks, Which we, we were here this week. And, uh, <laughs> it was better than Gibby said the last week. <laughs> oh, my folks. Um, yeah, what'd you think? Both of these episodes look into the minds of the characters and the emotions of the characters and do it in different ways to some success and maybe not some in other cases. So let us know what you think. You can find wherever wherever you are listening to us. There is a place to leave a comment or a rating, and uh, we would appreciate it if you do that. Like every other podcast on the planet, ratings and comments can help people find, you know, you know, ratings and comments can help other people find the show, and we would really love it if more people found the show. That would be fantastic. We will obviously have a lot to talk about next week, I am sure, um, with... Here's Negan, the Negan-centric episode adapted, by the way, um, from the comic issue with that title. Apparently going to be a fairly faithful adaptation from what we hear. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you, Tim. And thank you, Curtis. Thank you, Tim. And don't forget to do a search for Curtis Smith on audible.com and buy my shit. There you go. Well, I, I just recently downloaded... The audiobook, The Ballad of Whiskey Charlie, which, if you remember, is the is the sequel prequel to the Haberdashers of Lonesome County, and uh, a book that Curtis narrated and that I found a book. And then I'm very looking forward to reading The Ballad of Whiskey Charlie, also narrated by Curtis Smith, with the same also characters in it. Spoiler alert, there's a guy with a Georgia accent that is not consistent at all. Oh, boy. Yeah. And, of course, the important thing to remember, folks, is that this keeps Curtis off the pole. And yes. we decided this is not, you know, first of all, if you've ever seen Curtis on the pole, it's not pretty. It's just he can't make a living this way. So I, I bent the pole. So. Little Nas didn't. Have you seen Help oh, Curtis so. help himself. <laughs> <laughs> Good night. Good night, everybody. All right, folks. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you on our next episode of Zompocalypse Now. And the Daryl and Carol Show! <laughs> Zompocalypse Now is produced and recorded by Timothy Harvey, Dustin Adair, and Curtis Smith for Just Some Guy Productions. All rights reserved.